your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle, Empire! Hello, dear listener. Welcome to the Blocking Charge Cast. Uh, this is Steve Braun. I'm solo right now, but uh, won't be for this whole episode. The reason uh, saying this is because it's the morning after uh, Andrew Krzyzewski managed to rope me into recording one of these guys. And, and we had a grand old time doing it, but unfortunately we're still, we're still dealing with the transition to a dual mic audio setup. And part of that is, um, well... We got a little bit interrupted by ESPN's constant autoplay ads, so unfortunately, first about 15 minutes of, uh, of what we recorded was compromised by a bunch of ESPN recaps <laughs> being played <laughs> full volume over it. So, well, I'm going to set Andrew to work on recapping what we missed just in, in text form in the blog post that this will eventually be in, but... You know, what we discussed was, of course, the chaotic uh, rise and fall of the number ones this year and and why there really wasn't a strong case for a number one. And it's chaos because there's, there's not really any compelling case for a number one team from before the season started, right? Like, you could definitely say Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, UNC, but... You could say those any year. There's no, there's no player that I my, myself, you know, as, as a casual fan, was keenly aware of before the season started. So that's why Andrew thinks Michigan State ended up preseason number one because Cassius Winston coming back, they had the most claim to it. Unfortunately, uh, y'all also uh, will not be getting me comparing uh, Aaron Henry to. Henry from Thomas the Tank Engine, you know, in that sometimes he's on and he's shooting well and he gets called to pull the flying kipper and sometimes he refuses to come out of a tunnel for fear that the rain will spoil his bright green coat and then he just gets sealed up with a bunch of bricks on the bench and stuff. And we discussed Michigan as well, how they weren't really... um we thought it was a little unfair that they weren't ranked to start the season because it's not like Juwan Howard inherited a particularly worse program than the, you know, than the perennial Elite Eight program that uh, John Beeline built. But of course, you know, you're, you're never quite as good as your best game. So while Michigan's rise to number five may have been warranted, it doesn't necessarily, you know, it's, it's, it's early. It's, this is where teams can move a lot of ranks in a hurry. So that's kind of what's going on at the top of the Big Ten. Um, what you're going to join us in right now is a discussion of the the unthinkable scenario that we may have tonight, because I'm going to try to get this out on Wednesday the 18th, which it is today. Tonight we have the unthinkable scenario of Michigan State heading to Northwestern with an opportunity to lose the game and create a 14-way tie for first place at 1-1. One one. Of course, I don't know if I mention this later on in the podcast, but either outcome of that game will delight me. Either there's a 14-way tie for first or Northwestern is alone in last. Anyway, we'll pick that up uh, right after 
I, I guess I feel like stopping the record and starting to mix this thing, so I'll see you then. Things involved. Truly horrible shooting nights. You tell me also Michigan a different State's, coach. Yeah, well, you're telling me that Michigan State's not capable of shooting 20% from three, turning it over 15 times, and playing a game in the 40s in Welsh Ryan. That's absolutely possible. Not likely, but possible. I'll never forget the uh, the one win during the the slide that ended the Bruce Weber era in my senior year, and I was in basketball band. It was uh, against number 12 Michigan State, and it was 42-41, and it felt like such an accident that everyone in the band, which I was in the basketball band, why was the big reason I was there. Everyone in the band was just like, oh, God, this changes nothing. This was horrible. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe we had to sit through this. So if Michigan State has a game like that, then, yeah, it's entirely possible. Sure, but to get back to talking about the actual middle then, the one team that has kind of caught my eye so far has been Penn State. Um, Lamar Stevens is playing everybody as good as he has been, but he also finally has the benefit of a full-throttle Mike Watkins behind him, and they're getting enough backcourt scoring from Myron Dredd and Myron Jones to, stay, to keep their scoring balanced. I mean, the other thing to consider is their resume to this point has gotten them ranked for the first time since 1996. Holy shit. What okay. were you doing in 1996? Uh, I wasn't even a NASCAR fan yet. My God. <laughs> is that how you measure the epics of your life? <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, NASCAR was a big part of my childhood, and I discovered it in 1997. Hmm. I was in, I was in third grade. Uh, I got a Super Nintendo that year. That was a big year for me. I had, however, already received my Brett Favre jersey. So, <laughs> knew about football. So, you're, this is back in the Favrezoic era. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, look. All Penn State, institutionally, Penn State basketball having success always feels like an accident. Yes. Because, you know, Nebraska was very, very loud and upfront about we intend to compete in the sport of basketball. Penn State, if anything, it's just kind of like... From an administration standpoint, they still have it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's... If they're good, if they're good, they're good. If they're not, they're not. Like, even when they're good, it sucks losing road games there because... Because there's like 3,000 people in a building yeah. that Don't you love when you times can, that number. And you yeah. just like hear what one individual heckler is saying. <laughs> oh, God, I'm not, I hate that. Watching our dudes, yeah, watching our dudes shoot free throws at like a bunch of blue seats and then one guy is just like... Hey, 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 Brandon, your hair looks dumb. Why do you have that little swoosh cut into it? <sighs> All of which is to give the backhanded of compliment, most backhanded of compliments to Penn State and say that despite this kind of malaise laying over the program over the, from the beginning of this year, this looks like it might be a tournament year for Pat Chambers, which had to be the goal. I mean... It didn't seem like there was any apparent urgency that he was in any danger of losing his job, but if they didn't make it this year, like that's that's they this... had a coach voluntarily leave them for Navy. No, there was no urgency. Yeah, yeah. So it's good to see, is what I'm saying. That you know they're capable of rising out of this sort of eleventh place thing they've been doing the last several years. Um, Boy, thing... do I love that a dude's name is Dread. He's pretty solid. Like that. That just it makes him sound like a pirate. <laughs> like a like a like a really murderous pirate. Yeah, well, I mean that's yeah, it's like the bad guy in a Disney movie or something. Um, other interesting storylines 
Nebraska is still going to lose a lot of games, but they have found a little bit of a spark of life in them. Um, Cam Mack has kind of stepped forward as a good lead guard for them, and that's settled a lot of things offensively. That said, I do think they're going to be right there wrestling with Northwestern for the very bottom of the conference. So, Hoy Boy left Iowa State, then was fired from the Bulls, and now he's at Nebraska. What do all three of those things have in common? They are god-awful right now. I was going to say they are they are red. There's red involved in their uniforms. There is. But yes, Iowa State has at long last... Open your eyes, sheeple. <laughs> Iowa State has at long last completely imploded. Yeah. Um, of course, the Bulls are just a horse shit organization. Just yeah, I can't, I can't put any of the you Bulls can't, yeah. juju on Hoiberg him. had nothing to do... It could have been anyone. It, it it could have been uh, it could have been Pat Riley, and he would have achieved about the same results and lasted about as long. Yeah, well, I mean, as long as Paxson is running the front office there, that's that's going to be a shit situation. So yeah, sorry to say that for our Chicago land. Well, shit, that yeah, that's. Um, You're hoping Denzel Valentine's knees ever find their way back together, and he can actually play a game or two for you. Yeah, so the one opponent that the Illini should play at the United Center is the Bulls, because <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> Any NBA team could lose those as them. So last team that made some waves this week was Rutgers. Um, just, just the thing. It's the thing where the the kid is tired of being stuffed into the locker. No, you know what it is. It's the scene from Christmas Story where he just he he gets hit in the in the face with a snowball, and so he just wails on the kid like screaming expletives into the frozen 1950s air. I guess it's supposed to be set in the 30s. Isn't the the, uh, the Seton. So so basically uh, the. Seton Hall was Scott Farkas in this whole fracas. Yeah. yeah. Seton Hall, I just don't know why they were ranked other than for, like, last year and nostalgia. I'll tell you, when MSU played them, they looked really damn good. And, of course, I, I say that because they gave my team a game. But tell when, you though, I am not... Unlike the football podcast, I'm not going to be dismissive of Rutgers here because I picked them to win 10 Big Ten games this year. I believed in not so much Rutgers as Steve Peichel. Well, yeah. I thought they would be better. I wasn't ready to put them anywhere above the middle of the conference. Um, I predicted Dees, by which I mean maybe ending a legendary tournament drought. Like like a like a damn near Cubs level drought. I think it's going to be difficult for them to do that because, well, the Seton Hall win's going to help. Um, they didn't rack up a whole lot of other interesting things in their non-conference. And I will but say... But they didn't take any bad losses. Their non-conference isn't a liability. No, you got... you. The tournament seeding works a little differently now, though. Um, non-conference seeding, if you win but they're unimpressive wins, that is almost as much of a liability as a mediocre loss. Like, if you schedule up and you lose to good teams, you don't get penalized for that. You get penalized for not beating anybody good. And they're going to have opportunities in their conference schedule to get plenty of good wins because they're going to have you know, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State. I still think Purdue is going to end up in that top crust. I guess we'll see. I mean, the most recent results were a little jarring, but um, you know they've had good wins this year also. But anyway, the middle class of the Big Ten, I think, is going to be a little tougher for Rutgers than we thought. Wisconsin is definitely – that's the position that can be usurped. And whether it's Penn State, whether it's Rutgers – 
Um, Minnesota sure put together. Oh, I forgot Maryland in the whole top crust of the Big Ten. Um, they've been kind of unremarkably good until, <laughs> until, sorry, I didn't mean to bring it up. Um, yeah, consider that. Illinois could be 2-0 with wins over Maryland and Michigan at this point. Very no, easily. No, man, Illinois also could have completed a 27-point comeback on Miami had Io not decided that now was going to be the first time in the whole game that he was finally going to go to the rack instead of passing it off, except this time there were three guys there. Okay, and then Maryland, holy shit, I don't understand what... Oh my god, this is like, ugh. This is... Okay, so the situation was that they'd led Maryland the whole game, but obviously Maryland, you know, is a good enough team that that's not, you know, you can't just pack it in. So, Maryland ties it up with 17 seconds to go, and Illinois goes racing down the court, and I'm like, oh shit, well, I guess no timeouts, man, gotta go, and... um, you know, they, 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 they kind of pass around here, and then ultimately it ends up as an offensive foul with 2.1 seconds left ends up being the uh, the deciding factor. So the first foul shot is good. I, I don't want to hear, by the way, any complaints about refing from Maryland fans for a while. That was a pretty bad foul. <laughs> that was pretty bad. Anyway, the uh, by, by bad, I mean a bad foul call, not a bad foul. Yeah. Um, so then, after the first free throw shot, timeout, Illinois. What? That, they yeah. had a timeout? Yeah. Why would they not have called it with the ball in a tie game on the road against number four? 17 seconds to go. Oh my Here's, God, what are you doing? Let's have a theatrical reenactment. Call up the Slack conversation between you and I, and we will... Will reprise our own roles in in the conversation that we had while basically while that was happening, if not slightly after it. Um, so I'm gonna have to scroll up a little bit here. Okay, and so this was. Oh well, yeah, you got to scroll past a lot of uh, me being fairly drunk, saying really mean things about Justin Fields. Yeah, yeah, you were real salty about that. Scrolling upwards. Talking about talking about my dad taking pictures. Uh Uh-huh. So this is gonna be from Saturday, December seventh. Commencing Oh, I've scrolled way too far. Yeah. Commencing at 8.46 p.m., your line, here is an academic question. Whenever you're ready, go ahead and begin. Here is an academic question. You have a timeout. Your opponent makes a three to tie the game with 18 seconds to go. Now, I'm ad-libbing this, but you're unranked on the road at number four. Stick to the script. But you commit a it's in the important context. You commit a foul with 2.1 seconds to go. Your opponent is in the double bonus. Given that last 18 seconds, if you were to call a timeout at any point in those last 18 seconds, what point in that last 18 seconds would be the most worthless use of a timeout? Any point other than right after the tying three IMO. So 
What if you don't call the timeout there? Then what would be the most worthless use of a timeout? Before fouling, I suppose? Oh, you can't even conceive of what a stupid thing our boy Brad did. How about between the free throws? I'm sure there's an obvious answer here, but I'm not seeing it. See, see, that occurred to me, but I was like, nah, he couldn't have. Unless Undy just stumbled upon the next quantum leap in shitty gamesmanship theory. Icing the free throw shooter. Okay, so when that happened, I figured we didn't have a timeout. Because, like, how could we have had one? If we had a timeout, we obviously would have used it after the game tying three. So my reaction to the timeout was, What? We have a timeout? Izzo's typical thing in that situation would be to have his point guard slowly work over the bench and take the timeout with about eight seconds left as I scream at the TV. So while I don't know that exact feeling, I've been watching a strain of it for about 20 years now. I mean, and the amazing thing was how disoriented the Illini offense looked with the ball with a tie game. Almost as though a stoppage of play to organize things would have been to their benefit. And scene. Yeah, we probably shouldn't talk about the, the next part of that. <laughs> because from it's here, just, it's you, just did, you did just rant and curse about Justin Fields Hours for a long, of me cursing out Justin time. Fields. For a long time. So. Luke Ford is free next year. <laughs> uh, okay, so... We, we mentioned this earlier, but it, there's always the running joke that, oh, Big Ten basketball is just, it's just blood and spiders in the Big Ten, man. You get upsets almost every week. No, like this season, it's all like funnel webs and Brazilian wandering spiders and camel spiders. Like, shit is serious. The blood is waist deep, and we're two games in to the conference schedule for not even quite everybody yet. As of this recording... Home teams are undefeated. Everybody, that, that's everybody who's played a home game has won, meaning that MSU is in first place at 1-0. 12 teams are tied for second or 13th, depending on how you look at it, at 1-1. And Northwestern is at last is in the last place at 0-1. Now, however the Michigan State-Northwestern game turns out, I'll be delighted because one of two <laughs> things happens. Either there's a 14-way tie... Or Northwestern is right where they belong, in last place with no wins. Yeah, I mean, and this includes, again, you we talked about Illinois beating Michigan. High school-ass gym having motherfuckers. Penn State beat Maryland. Um, you know, Rutgers beating Wisconsin is actually nothing new. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, hasn't Wisconsin never won there? At the rack? I don't know. I don't think they've played there. I don't think they've double played every year. I mean, they obviously had the high-profile loss in the year with Kaminsky and Decker in the Final Four and everything. Because Kaminsky didn't play, we get it, we get it. But still, he lost to Rutgers, and that was not this Rutgers. Um, but I mean, seriously, like, Nebraska beat Purdue with, like, eight scholarship guys. Minnesota convincingly beat Ohio State. Like, if I'm Tom Izzo, I'm moving my wealth offshore immediately. I'm lobbying against the estate tax. I'm canceling that game at Welsh Ryan... By whatever means necessary. Like, don't play that game. Bad things are going to happen to you. Uh, <laughs> all right. And that will be the end of the little two-game opener um, to the conference schedule. I see you're furiously looking this up, so I guess we'll probably circle back to that. But we'll conclude here by looking at a few points of interest. As You're teams. the man with the knowledge, so go on. Do you want? Do you have your answer no, to the Wisconsin? No, you'll know okay. when I do. Yeah, I'm sure I will. 
as we conclude non-conference play here, a few games that may be of interest. Unfortunately, the Thursday game uh, with Maryland going to Seton Hall has to be downgraded a couple of ticks. I see that was a quite a quite a thing your eyes did when you looked at something on the screen there. Is it true? Wisconsin has never won at the rack. So the real question would be, has Rutgers ever won in Bloomington? Because obviously Indiana has never won in the Kohl Center despite it being a 20-year-old building now. So is there a rock, paper, scissors of futility in Big Ten basketball? You should See, there's no way that you can possibly ask that and make it not rhetorical to me because it's so easy for me to just find this result. And you do that. I'll go back to talking about how Unfortunately, Miles Powell, Seton Hall's spark plug lead guard, is out indefinitely with a concussion. Maryland is probably going to win that game pretty easily, but Seton Hall does still have some buys up front. I mean, they also lost their starting power forward. I forget his first name. I remember his last name, Mamuakes Shvili. <laughs> oh, Shvili. Probably knows Georgie, yeah. Ah, well, so I mean, from, from, from somewhere in... That part of Eastern I'm, Europe, I'm fairly, uh, Asia Minor. I'm if fairly you will. sure he's also Georgian. So interesting. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if that's like the new Serbia, where guys are just going to go to get their big European dudes. A war occurred. Anyway, no <laughs> Rutgers has never won at Indiana. Let it be written. Let it be said. The triangle of futility. I'm making a majestic gesture with my hands right now. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, good news for Indiana and Wisconsin. You are now forever tied in the lore to Rutgers basketball. Exactly what you Rutgers basketball! Aren't you so happy about that? You're, you're making connections with the new guys. Oh, look at you guys making friends. That's, so, that's just great to see. Um, do you also have the Crossroads Classic coming up? Indiana versus Notre Dame, Purdue versus Butler. Always games of some import to residents of the Hoosier State. Not necessarily of tremendous interest to many of the rest of us, although... Butler has had a little bit of a rebound season this year. What's on your mind? Just waiting. Go ahead. What? Just waiting. Are there any more interesting games? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Ohio State plays Kentucky on Saturday. That's certainly going to be a star-studded affair. I believe that's got the CBS national treatment. Hi, buddy. Oh, my why goodness. This, she knows what I'm thinking about. What? Uh, any, any other... Any other relevant games on Saturday that see, might be of interest? See, I heard I heard some woofing and some chasing and some some just general real fired up energy. So I can tell that my dog knows that I am thinking about bragging rights. Oh, this is gonna be a good one. It is unfortunate that TV has conspired to kill this thing by putting it at noon on the SEC network, <laughs> like. Not 10 years ago, this used to sell out the whatever-the-hell building the Blues play in now. Well, you're only fighting, like, five bowl games at the same time. So. <laughs> yeah, well, now that the bowl games have encroached on this, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's different. I guess, I guess it's... But, yeah, we used to... It, that used to sell out, uh, and that, that I thought was one of the most underrated basketball rivalries in America... And it still is that intense, and I bet it'll be sold out this time. It's just unfortunate that it's got the noon slot. However, that makes it no less furious because, of course, as you know, three of Missouri's players were at one point committed to Illinois with Mark Smith actually playing a full season uh, under Brad Underwood. Actually, Mark Smith was even recruited by Brad Underwood. Um... 
the other to Jeremiah Tillman and Javon Pickett, um, recruited by John Gross, not retained by Underwood. So this goes deep. Uh, the thing that we have that we didn't have last year is, I'm going to say it, the best Illini basketball player I have ever seen in Coburn? Kofi Coburn. Wow. I mean, that, I, that I've, you know, be, that I've ever seen firsthand because okay. I can go. All right. I was going to say, like, you, that's like, that's D Brown, that's Darren Williams, that's. Because I can go back and find highlights of those dudes, yeah. right? I would argue that he could eventually. No, it wouldn't take much of an argument to say that he could turn out better than D. Brown or Darren Williams because they were very successful in Bruce Weber's system. The presence of Coburn completely changes what this team is. Wow. It's preposterous how good... And I did not think he would be ready because he didn't freshman see, like, big in the no, Big yeah, Ten, right? The, right. The, the book on him was that he was going to need physical refinement and that he wouldn't be much of a contributor this This year. guy absolutely ate John Teske's lunch inside that's an experienced big man that was coached by john beeline and coburn and he's a just, fucking goon tesky's a seven foot 260 kind of guy like yeah that's yeah no, that's no small feat to overwhelm him physically yeah Co- like you told me that one of those guys was a freshman that wasn't ready to play i'd say it was tesky yeah considering he's a redshirt scene yeah that's yeah that's that's high praise yeah coburn is the best Illini player i have ever seen firsthand and He's played less than 15 games. Firing high-caliber bullets here, man. Yeah, so um, I predict that he is going to embarrass Jeremiah Tillman. Um, Jeremiah Tillman is going to wish that he'd gone pro. He's, he's, he's going to just, like, he's going to regret all the shit he's talked about this rivalry because, you know, hey, when you're a big man and you can't get anywhere near the hoop, hey, that's got to eat at your pride a little bit, right? I would imagine for most of them, yeah. Um, a couple other interesting matchups, maybe of a little bit lesser caliber. You've got Northwestern and DePaul on Saturday, and also Cincinnati-Iowa. Speaking of Iowa, the news came out yesterday, I believe. Jordan Bohannon is going to undergo hip surgery and will officially redshirt. Unfortunate for him, but he'll be back. Let's talk about his boss move for a second. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be so... In the le- First of all, let me pull up the schedule so I can get the exact sequence of events here for Iowa. While he's doing that, I'll mention that a much less boss move was uh, Sunmoon in the handshake line with Juwan Morgan after... Or Juwan, Juwan Howard. I'm, I'm getting Morgan be- because uh, Dasunmoon was Morgan Park. But Juwan Howard uh, felt the need to point out to Juwan Howard, Hey, I went 4-0 and against your high school. <laughs> All right, so here's here's the reference I was making then. In the last two games he played, that being um, that being Bohannon this season, didn't have much of an impact against Minnesota, but his team won by 20. But in the last game he played, the Iowa State game, and now it's going to take a minute to load the box score, so the impact of this statement is going to be lost. Oh, for God's sake. Remember that time Quanzo begged for the Illini job and then didn't get it? Oh my goodness, Quanzo. Can you tell us the game matters him a little bit? Can you tell it matters just a little bit? Um, yeah, he only had 12 points, didn't have a great shooting night. But, you I mean, you clearly are relishing this story. Why don't you tell the folks out there who might have been living under a rock or somehow listening to this podcast what exactly j did in his last game of the season? Well, 
with uh, I don't know. Was there time left on the clock? Or I, I I'm not sure exactly the circumstances. I'm fairly sure but, it was after the game was over. But it was immediately after the game. Jabo walked to center court, took off his shoes, signed them. Thanks for the mems, and left them right there at center court in Hilton. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Uh, I mean. If you're Iowa State, you basically have to build a new basketball arena, right? Yeah, you got to tear Hilton. Uh, <laughs> I mean, salt no Hilton, the earth where it once stood. No Hilton magic anymore. Because um, this, it was not a close game either at, at any point. So, no. Iowa's going to be an interesting story the rest of the season because they apparently intend to redshirt Patrick McCaffrey as well. Um, they're now redshirting Bohannon. They're going to be thin in the backcourt, although they've gotten better contributions out of Toussaint and, uh, and Frederick than I think most of us expected, but they're still going to be thin. Like they, they only played nine guys in this game. One of those guys is about to be gone. Um, and two of the other guys played four and seven minutes. So if they have any more, even like a minor injury to any of their main contributors, I mean, first of all, Luca Garza is a story that we'd be remiss not to mention in that He's got a real case for conference player of the year. If he had any lateral agility whatsoever, he'd be getting a lot of attention from NBA scouts. He's not a guy who's likely to have much of a career in the NBA, which is great for Iowa because maybe you can expect him back. But, man, it complete game inside, outside, face up, back to the basket. He's one of those guys that could, if he wanted to, pull the Laron Black route. And even though he's not an NBA prospect... He can make decent money playing overseas. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's got a... Whether he comes back next year or not... I'm surprised Laron Black's the first person I've heard about doing that. Because you can make more than the entry-level salary of every major at your college. Well, no. I mean, I think... um, I think Kenny Goins is playing in, like, Italy or Germany or something now. So... Yeah. No, there's been a a handful of guys recently who have gone. Um, But, yeah... One last scheduling note that might be of some interest. For some reason, Wisconsin agreed to play a road game at Tennessee. Um, now, that's a Tennessee that just took a little bit of a humbling at the hands of in-state noted cheater Penny Hardaway in Memphis. But still, the way Wisconsin's played this year, that's a game that might not go so well for the Badgers. And they're good. they, they might be fortunate in that case that they can bury that game um, in a mountain of bowl games, including... The, uh, the college football playoff semifinals. Maybe there's like some cheaters that you kind of like. There's like a spectrum of cheaters where like, you know, with, with, with guys that cheat, no one calls them on it and then they moralize about cheating. Like Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah, you fucking cheat, Coach K. Fuck you. Um, at the very opposite end of a guy like Penny Hardaway where it's like, oh, you scoundrel. Right. Because it's, it's clearly, like, and everybody associated with Memphis knows, like, oh, yeah, he's going to get caught, and they're going to erase all this from the record books, but it'll be fun in the meantime. Yeah, it'll so be fun. Not? Yeah, so why not? And I, I appreciate that, because Memphis has to know they're not a program that's ever going to be held in the same reverence as noted paragons of integrity like Kansas uh, or Kentucky. And so they're going to do How much did way. Bill Self fuck up to get Kansas in trouble with the NCAA? You say trouble. I mean, there's trouble, yeah. and then there's trouble that's actually going to amount to anything. That's true. Um, anyway, I am sure that Coach Trzeszewski will be around along any minute to now to tell me that I'm, I'm too good a podcaster to, 
to, to be doing things like that and be saying things like that. Yeah, Uncle Mike owes me a lot of birthday presents anyway. I was a very big fan of Dylan Brooks teabagging him. Anyway, remember that time that Mark Smith could dunk? Your source for big gun talk. It's off tackle. Empire!